Well, good morning. Welcome to church. How many of this is, uh, I know we had quite a few people here last week, but how many of this is your first Sunday back in attendance in a while? Just curious. Oh, so good to see all you guys. So good to see our friends and our people. Wow. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we welcome you. That's been really good, but there's more. Jesus loves to wait right past the point when you think he's done to really drop the surprise. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for you. <laughs> Thanks, God. Well, that felt good. We should do that more often. Man, I feel so much happening right now. Just want to be obedient. Thanks, God. <laughs> so good. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. We give you everything. Everything. And we love that you're, you've given us everything, too. Isn't that the great exchange? Isn't it so great that we've given and he's given? That he would die to give you a full inheritance and then come back to life and teach you how to use it? <laughs> oh, man. If you're hungry, you should pray right now. There's something in the room to tap into right here. I'm telling you, for those of you that are hungry, there's a power of God and an authority being released right now. Just take a moment. Lord, Jesus, we receive. Put your hands out if you're hungry. Right now, I pray over everyone with their hands out. You may start feeling a tingling in your arms. That's what I keep feeling. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, Release, Father. Release more. This has been good, but we want more. Is anybody hungry? We want more. We want more. We want more. We want more. I pray just a fresh anointing. I pray over all of you right now. Fresh anointing. I pray over you that have been just in the place of, some of you have been in, in the quiet place and just with the Lord, and now I feel like there's a release of a fresh anointing coming out of that place, just as when Jesus came out of the 40 days, the angels ministered to him, and he went into a place of just powerful ministry in the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been in a place where it's felt like hiding, but you've been right there with Jesus, and now he's releasing you. Right now, I feel angels, whoa, um, I feel angels coming in the room to minister to you guys right now. It's okay to be tired. It's okay, Jesus was tired. So I just release over all of you right now, just ministering angels over you to minister to you, to minister to you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Amen. You can keep your hearts positioned that way, but we're, because there's, there's just a lot more to come.
before I jump into my message, I'm going to take up the offering this morning. So, <laughs> thanks for being excited. Now I just got to find my passage. I haven't written it down. Jesus. There it is. Luke chapter 5. I've, I've done this a number of times, so if you're, this is home, you've heard this before, but there's a lot of you that are new. We met so many people that said, hey, we started coming to your church like the week before it closed. So welcome back. <laughs> so many people are like, we, like between two to four weeks, they came to the church, like we loved it, and then everything closed. So welcome back. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of, all right, somebody pronounce this for me, Gennesaret. I'm going to say Standing by the lake of G, <laughs> the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he'd gone into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Just pause there for a second. This is, here's Jesus. He's showing up on the scene to Simon Peter. He's not, he's not a, a disciple at this point. He's out fishing, doing what he does. And Jesus shows up to him, and, and he says, hey, uh, he's got a crowd of people following him. He's teaching, and he says, can I borrow your boat? And he, can I, I need to put out off the shore, and I'm guessing Jesus must have a little bit of an introvert in him because he was trying to get, like, a little away from the crowd. He's like, I'll teach from you on the water. And, uh, and so he's preaching, and he begins, how many introverts got that? The extrovert's like, I don't get it. <laughs> Just put me in a boat about 20 feet away from everyone, and then I'm good. We're good. Um, and so he, he says, I need to borrow your boat. I want to preach. And so, you know, he lets him get in his boat, and he puts out off the shore, and Jesus begins to preach. And what's, inter- what's next is really interesting. So Jesus asks if he can borrow his boat, and then it says that when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water. And let down your, nat, your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've, been work, we've worked hard all night and caught, we haven't caught anything. Can you hear the massive amount of his faith? <laughs> He's, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I love this passage because it shows that God sometimes is just okay with obedience. <laughs> he had no faith at this point. He's like, God's like, hey, go out, put your nets out. And he's like, we already tried, that didn't work. But you know what? I'll go ahead and do it because you said so. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, began, and the, and they came and filled both boats so that they both began to sink. I just want you to catch this real quickly. He was a fisherman. His resources was his fishing boat. I want you to look at it from a position of my resources. I'm going to look at it in the context of an offering right now. It's in the context of money. Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, can I borrow your boat? Can I borrow your resources? He said, sure. When we are coming into a place like this, I look at it often as like God saying, hey, will you give? Can I borrow your resources? Wait till you see what I pour back out on you. And so... He gives him his boat. He goes back out, and he had no faith, no faith at all. He said, you know what? It didn't work, but because you said so, sure. 
what happens? He goes back out. Again, it's really funny because Jesus tells him in, in one passage, he says, try, try putting your net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> really funny because this is not a huge ship. These boats, are, I, I, met, I actually looked online, they typically could be about the size of this platform I'm on. So Jesus, with that great sense of humor, says, try the other side. <laughs> Jesus loves to just do that. What happens? Because of their obedience, because of them saying, I will give to you from my resources, the Lord said, I want to bless you. Now go back out. Now that you've just said yes, Go back out. What happened? I want you to see not only did it infect him, all of his business partners, all of the other fishermen, they got blessed because he said yes. He started calling out to them, said, I can't deal with all this. You guys come. And they brought all their boats and they filled up all their nets and all their boats got full. Why? Because Simon said yes. And then in that moment when he came back, it was when he followed Jesus. He says, I'm following this guy. Isn't it amazing that it was in the moment of him having a generous heart? He said, sure, I'll give you what I have. A boat's what I have, take it out. And Jesus said, now watch this. I believe that in a moment of saying yes, in a time of giving, I believe with all my heart God can touch your finances, he can touch your life, and he can release blessing on you that is so incredible, that is bigger than you. It's always bigger than you. Please hear me. It's always bigger than you. There's a, purpose to pro- there's a purpose to prosperity. It's bigger than you. It's the kingdom. So can we say yes this morning? I don't care what you give. That's between you and Jesus. It's about saying yes. It's about having a heart when we give to him. Like Peter said, there's my resources. Take it. And God said, watch this. So I'm going to pray over you, all right? If you're, if you're giving, um, if we put the slide up back there, um, if you're giving by a card, you can just text it to that number, and it'll tell you what to do after that. Just text the 84321 and put the amount in, and it'll tell you what to do. Or if you are um, giving by check or cash, we're not going to pass the plates right now. There is a, there's a box in the back that you can drop it in there on your way out, and we'll just... Okay. Our app is down right now, apparently, but the text still works. So if you're having trouble and you use the app text. All right. Lord, we love you. We bless you. You're so good, Father. I just pray over this place right now that, Lord, as we say yes to you, that you would respond with favor and with blessings that are beyond what we could even imagine. When you responded to Peter, he had no idea what was coming. So, Father, I pray over this place right now. First of all, I pray that you would stir up our faith and expectation now to expect for great things, Lord. And, Father, I pray over this place that, Lord, as we say yes to you, that you will pour out blessings and favor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. It's amazing how you get in such a pattern of thought, because I always say amen, they can pass the baskets. And it's like, yeah, we're not doing that. You guys happy? Oh, man, it's so good to see people, real people. Man, just let me sit here and stare at you for a minute. (laughs) I was not built to be a televangelist, which is what I've been for the past two months, preaching at a red light. Oh, yeah, and welcome to everybody watching. (laughs) Now that I made you feel terrible, (laughs) we still love you. No, I, I, 
I'm just going to preach. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited this morning. I feel like the Lord's got something for us. Oh, he's so good. Everybody say more, Lord. Um, yeah, I want to take on something that hopefully I can get through it and do it justice. I want to talk to you about one of my favorite topics, and it's, it's very simple. It's what burns within me. It's one thing out of a couple things that really, really burn within my heart. But it is the importance of understanding when the Bible says that we live in a new covenant, what that means. If you don't understand that, you won't understand over half your Bible. You'll think you understand it, but it's hard to understand it if you don't understand the covenant. Just like people that don't understand the covenant in a marriage, it can become shaky because they don't understand the covenant sometimes. The only time we hear the word covenant typically is two times. One is on a wedding. Two is in communion when they, we take the, the cup and it says, this is my blood, which was the new covenant. So the two times we, we hear it, I'm going I'm to take a moment, stay away from my notes for a minute and just talk. I, I hear a lot of people ask me questions about the Bible, and I had a gentleman recently that was uh, working on my, my heating and air at my house, ended up talking to him in my front yard for like three hours. Um, I went out there just to see if he was done, and you know when you feel hunger on somebody, like they're pulling on you, they're literally pulling on you to talk, and um, he begins to share all this stuff with me, and he's like, hey, you're the pastor of the gate, right? <laughs> Depends why you're asking. Uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just sat and we talked. He just began pouring out his heart about his journey and all of this and sharing me all these questions. And I said, oh, man, what is so confusing to you is you don't understand covenants. Your whole Bible is written, every page of this, every verse of this was in a covenant. To understand what the verse means, you have to understand the covenant in which it was written. The danger, if you don't, is that you grab onto verses that were written in a covenant that wasn't yours. Now, that scares people who say, well, you're saying that some of the Bible isn't true. Absolutely not. The Bible is entirely true, inspired by God. I'm just saying that not all of it is, applies to you. It's, very, it's it is completely the, the true word of God. But, but I don't know if you've looked at the Mosaic Law anytime recently. Hallelujah. You'd be very happy that doesn't all apply to you. You would also be confused if you realize how many, how many things that you've picked up from that law and how many you decided not to pick up. And some people, it's like really core things to them is certain scriptures. And so what I want to try to do is just take you on a super quick journey. And I'm going to submit all this to your heart and let the Holy Spirit reveal things to you this morning. My job is like purely to just try to help you see him better this morning. That's, good. That's it. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's all I'm trying to do. But I want you to understand when we celebrate communion and we say, you know, that this is his blood, this is the new covenant. Another passage, and I, I apologize, I didn't write it down, says that it's a better covenant. Yeah. Amen. For it to be better, that means that there was lesser. Let's start there. Really simple. To have a better covenant, there had to be one that wasn't as good. Really simple foundation just to understand that a lot of people, they grab onto a certain covenant or scriptures because it's what they're familiar with. It's what they're familiar with because some people, that's all they've heard. 
And so I do believe that God will use any passage in the scripture to can minister to us. I just want to be careful which ones you apply to if you don't fully understand them. And so I'm going to walk you through a little journey here in how this works. Mankind has, uh, we notoriously get a concept of who God is. Um, it could come from your Sunday school teacher 30 years ago. It could come from a parent. It could come from a preacher. It could come from so many different sources. That, and some of them are, are okay. And how many know some of them are not okay? How many understand that sometimes what we think about God isn't necessarily who God is? It's not a trick question, I promise. We know this because mankind had such a strong perception of who Christ was that they actually sacrificed the Son of Christ thinking that they were doing the right thing. Their concept of who God was was so strong that it actually sacrificed the Son of God. Could it be that we're sacrificing things that are God in our perception of what we think is God? They were, they were, their perception of who God was was so off that when Jesus, now remember, Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. He only said what he told him to say. And so when Jesus walked on this earth, they had such a strong perception of God that he was actually walking right in front of them and they didn't see him. How often is he walking right in front of you and maybe you're just not seeing it? What's the problem with a concept or a perception that maybe hasn't got the experience to back it up is a concept, even the word concept means a notion or an idea. The, the problem with just having a notion of who God is or an idea of who God is is, is that we need to live with a revelation of who God is. A revelation of who God is comes through an experience. Okay, you with me? I'll, I'll let you be quiet, it's okay. You had a long worship service. The, the problem is when God challenges our concepts, our perceptions of who he is. He will come in and he will challenge what you think about him. <laughs> okay, me personally, not you. He challenges me. Um, I remember I grew up. I grew up in a denomination my whole life, and we kind of had one way of looking at things. And if it wasn't within that, yeah, that wasn't good. And um, I began to. I had a dream. God speaks to me a lot through dreams. Some of the biggest revelations that I have in my life come through dreams. Uh, every time my dream life gets really, really, really heightened, I know we're coming into a major season. Like right now, I'm dreaming at least one big dream every night. And for me, I had a dream about 10 years ago, we'll say, seven to 10 years ago. And I've shared this with some of you before, but I came to a church prayer meeting in this church. And I came and we all prayed and we had a great time together. And it was like after the prayer meeting was over in this dream, I could tell like everybody always went to the same restaurant. Now, it's important to pay attention to food and dreams. I'm going to give you a dream class for free, all right? <laughs> has to do with what you're feeding yourself, okay? So a lot of times it's important to be aware of if you're dreaming about food and different things like that, pay attention to that. 
in, in, in tacos. I don't know what that means. Um, but <laughs> that's the, Tiffany said that's the glory. Um, so, so I had this dream that everyone in the church, this was years and years and years ago before most of you were even here, everyone um, wanted to go to a certain place to eat. And I remember I said, in my dream, I said, hey, guys, I am tired of that restaurant. I want to go somewhere else. And everyone was like, <gasps> like, how dare you? And then I said, and then I ended up going to a mall. And I went to a food court, which is really interesting because it's lots of options. And I knew God was welcoming me into a season of understanding more about what I was eating and understanding of him because I'd been eating from one place my whole life. And in that dream, he began to unfold something else that was a core, a core um, just passion of mine, which is understanding to the best of my knowledge, how to implement the five-fold offices in the local church, because that's another sermon, but when I went and I was sitting in the food court, a very well-known minister came up to me and said, are you John? I said, yes. He said, hey, I've prepared a new office for you. Now, this isn't going to make any sense to you if you don't understand the, new, the offices of the fivefold. When I grew up in my denomination, we didn't believe in but three of the five offices. <laughs> we be, I'm just being honest. We believed in pastor, and everybody was a pastor. You were the parking lot pastor, the cleaning pastor. You know, like you were, if you didn't have the title pastor, you weren't in ministry. You know? There was the teacher, which still was the pastor. And then the really booming churches probably had a pastor, teacher, slash evangelist because he was really good at communicating. And we didn't, I didn't have any idea what an apostle and prophet really were because I had always been told those offices were already gone. But if you read the scripture, it says that they're all in operation until the unity of the body of the Christ. Amen. I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> You don't have to be a, a, a major like news watcher, but I'm telling you, we're not there yet. <laughs> so when I had this dream, I was invited into an office, and I didn't even understand fivefold offices. And so I began to learn that there was a lot about God that I didn't know. And some of you are probably like, well, duh. But we say that until it challenges something that we really think we do know. And I really thought I knew some things. Which is usually the one thing that he comes and says, let's talk about that. <laughs> so now I take a position like, I think I know a few things, but I'm okay with him just coming in and changing my mind. Why? Because that's what repentance means. Yes. To change the way you think. So one of the things that we have to be cautious of is we have to be careful that we don't get a perception of who God is that really isn't who God is. And if we find ourselves with a perception of who God is, we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and say, let's look at that area. Every generation thinks that they have got it. It's true. Generation prior and generations prior, phenomenal moves of God, and they probably really felt like they'd gotten it. There's many things in our generation where we feel like we've got it, and there are generations that will come after all of us have gone, and they'll think they've seen the best God has to have, the offer. But how many of you understand that God is really big? <laughs> There's a scripture that I love that I go to for everything when someone says, can you show me a scripture for that? Yes. I, I need to look up the exact passage, but it's a passage in Psalms that said, God sits in heaven and does what he wants. <laughs> Somebody look that up and tell me it. 
Uh, everyone's Googling it. <laughs> Google generation. <laughs> David's using a real Bible. <laughs> I had a prayer meeting in town with a number of wonderful pastors like, 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 three, like five, six years ago. I mean, some really well-known dudes. What is it? Psalms 115.3. Yeah, write that down. It's a good one. <laughs> I, um, but I was sitting with a group of people, and I remember <laughs> one of the ministers, many of you know his name, he said, well, I don't know about that. You got scripture for that? I said, yeah. <laughs> Psalms 115.3, and he opened it up and said, oh, I like that. <laughs> he said, he said, Here's the thing about God. God is in heaven. And here he is. The Bible says, one of my favorite scriptures, we were echoing and we were singing the song of the angels this morning. It says that the cherubims and the seraphim surround his throne and they say, holy, 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 holy. Which is why you felt so much the moment we lifted our voices and we echoed heaven. Because we began to echo heaven and heaven began to echo us. And we sing, holy, 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 holy. And the Bible says that every time that he turns and they see a new side of him, they say, holy, 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 holy. And he chants again, and they're going, holy, holy, holy. And you know, right, when you start calming down, like, holy, 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 holy. And you, you, know, you know, what would it look like if our worship got to that point? Like, like seriously, I believe, and I don't, I don't want this to come across condemning, please don't. But so many times I believe we disengage from worship because we stop pursuing the more of God. And when you start feeling like it begins to be dry and you're not getting something, maybe you need to say, can I see a new side of you? And where you're going, holy, holy, you know what I mean? Like you hit it, you saw it. And we see this, we see this especially in the different gifts in the church because we have people that battle each other on things. We have people that some people, uh, we'll see like an evangelist, they're like super like, we just gotta get people saved. We need to know that they're in the kingdom. We can't have people dying and going to hell. And you've got the teachers like, yeah, but that's important, but it's also important that they know who God is. And then you've got a pastor saying, but guys, they really just need to be loved. You know, and then you've, you've, got, you've got all these different gifts and what happens is, is they can so easily be looking at the same God from two different sides, saying this is who he is. And they're saying, no, this is who he is. Guess what? You're right. <laughs> I remember Randy Clark, one of my favorite people in the world. Somebody always asked him in Q&A some really hard questions. And so often he's seen both and his answer is just, yes. <laughs> well, like, which is it? Yes. People don't know what to do with that because we want to get God into our box of thinking. And sometimes, I hate to break it to you, but he will do things different just to make sure you don't put him in a box. It happens all the time. I was just talking with Bill about this this morning. I've heard, I remember one time out at Bethel and Reading, they were doing dream interpretation classes. And they said that we were all just interpreting all these dreams. And then all of a sudden they said we started having really bad dreams. Like we were concerned like, we started calling all the prayer people, like, the church is in trouble. Like, everyone's having demonic dreams. And, and so got to Bill, and Bill's like, let's just call in the intercessors and start praying. And finally, the Lord spoke to Chris Vallotton and said to him, he said, I've changed the meaning of every dream because you took out my voice in the process. And you've created a pattern where I wanted you to have a relationship. And he said, now you've just got a piece of paper that says what colors are what and what means what. And he said, you've removed my voice from the process. And he literally changed everything. He said, if, if a bird this color meant good, then it meant bad. And so literally everything was imploding until they said, I'm not even hearing the voice of the Father. 
You see, God is big, God is great, and God has many sides that we have not seen. My kids will see things in him that I never got to see. And their kids will get to see things that I never got to see. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I love that. You see, for us to advance the kingdom, we have to know the king. For us to advance the kingdom, the kingdom is a representation of the king. To us, for us to advance his kingdom, we need to know who the king is. If you have a foggy lens of who the king is, the kingdom can become dangerous to people. And what we're working on is we're working on trying to, and, and this is just, it's very simple. I just want to see him as pure and clean as I can. Because I know that if I'm advancing this kingdom, I want it to look just like the king. Yeah. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, in the Lord's prayer where he says this, and you all know this prayer. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's talk about that for a moment. On earth as it is in heaven. Heaven was always meant to be more than a place where you just died and went. It was meant to be a model of what it's supposed to look like on earth. Okay. That's not a trick one. You can amen that one. That's a nice, easy one. It's a a slow pitch. You can knock that one out of the park, guys. (laughs) It's more than just a... one of, the, one of the mistakes that we can make is that we build our churches in a way where all we're too concerned about is conversions. If you have guests over to your home, you don't welcome them in the door and leave them in the foyer the rest of the night. But that's what we do when we welcome people into a place of conversion in the Lord and we never take them deeper. Is welcome in, stay in the foyer. He's welcoming you into the house. He's welcoming you into the rooms. He's welcoming you into the kitchen. He's welcoming you into everything. Yeah. Saying, just come. Yeah. Just come. But here's the thing. We have to understand that heaven was more than just a destination. It's a model. Yeah. Now, thankfully, when I die, I get to go to heaven, but I don't want to feel like I had to wait to get to heaven or I feel like I'm doing this wrong. Yes. We, you know, my, my dad used to, and this is a little before my time, but he would always make, you know, refer to that one good old song that we used to sing, and I'll fly away, oh glory. And there was a line at just a few more weary days here and there, and he was like, he wouldn't sing it. He's like, I just don't see how that lines up with heaven on earth. Right. Tiffany takes out verses constantly. She's the master. I watch her do it live sometimes. She's swapping words. Like, like I can hear her like in the middle of I got, <laughs> She sings the one song, uh, you know, uh, Josh Baldwin, who's an awesome author. He's my friend. And he, we sing that. Um, my, it says, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And she's like, it's not my fear. So she's like, and fear doesn't. I'm like, oh, smooth, babe. Like, and then sometimes she'll get really spicy and like, your fear doesn't stand a chance. You see, there's, there's so much more to this. There's so much more to this. God wants us to see who he is. He wants us to begin to take heaven and make it look like that on earth. It's, it's our apostolic mission. It's what we're called to do. And we are called, I haven't shared this with some of you, but even the word apostle, if you haven't heard the history of it, really quickly, 
The word apostle comes from the Roman culture. The Roman culture would go into a foreign land and they would conquer that land. So the Romans would conquer the land and then they would send in a fleet of ships, an armada of ships, and the lead ship in that armada of ships is called the apostle ship. What is the purpose of those ships? Now that they've conquered the land, they're sending in the ships because what are they doing? They're saying, we now, it's our responsibility that the land has been conquered. It's time to make it look like home. So they send in an armada of ships. What are they doing? They're introducing Roman culture. They're introducing Roman language. They're introducing Roman road systems. They're introducing Roman schooling systems. They would go in and they would infiltrate it with culture. When we use terms like we're called to be an apostolic house or the words like apostle, what's the point? It is so much bigger than a hip term right now. Yeah. I, I, would, I would be cautious to use that unless I know the Lord's behind it. But what is he doing? He's inviting us into a place where he's saying, if you're going to be apostolic, the, the very core prayer that we can see with apostolic is Matthew 6, where he says, on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying, here's the good news. I've already conquered the sin problem. Yeah. Okay, let's let that one go. That one's done. Our job is to take the victory that's already happened and enforce it. Yeah. I don't have to win the battle again. That's a lot of fighting. Yeah. He won it. I enforce it. Okay, so the battle's won. I enforce it. But here's the other thing. My job is now that the land has been conquered, I go and I establish heaven on earth. I establish, we establish culture. That's why in our, in our thing on our website, it talks about reaching people, restoring culture. We're called to make it look like home for him. Have you, I don't know if you've ever walked into a place and you just said, oh, this just feels like home. I, we, we stay at a friend's house in Myrtle Beach when we go there because I don't really like hotels. They just feel, I, I just don't like them, honestly. They just feel gross to me. And when I go in, I just don't feel the spiritual atmosphere is yuck. And it's like, I'll pray through it, but you know, I prefer if there's somewhere I can really rest, I'll go there. And we have a friend that has a wonderful home in Myrtle Beach. And the reason I like it so much is because the atmosphere feels good. When I walk in, it feels good. It's just, and there's elements though, like my house, like I'm a minimalist. I don't like a lot of stuff. It's just me, don't feel bad. But I don't like a whole lot of stuff. I don't like a house that's too, this sounds really snobby. It's like, I don't like it being super hot. I can't sleep in a hot house, you know? So it's like, the temperature has to be, and can I get an amen? You know what I'm saying? Like some people are like, my mom could sleep like an Eskimo. She, like the house could be like 75 and she's like socks and sweatshirts and I'm like, I like it cold. But there are things about this person's house that when I stay there, it just feels like home. But I want you to see that the Lord said in Matthew 6, 9, he says, I want you to make earth look like heaven. Why? Because he should be able to walk into a service on a Sunday morning and just say, I'm home. I'm home. He should be able to walk into your house and say, I'm home. I'm home. It's, it's, it is possible. It is possible to shift the culture in your home. I want to get to the point where when people walk into our town, when they fly over our city, when they come into our airport, they say, this feels like home. All right. We have to represent him well. All right, I got time to maybe hit one more thought. Jesus came to reveal the Father. It says that in John chapter 17, verse 25. Jesus came to reveal the Father. That means that before Jesus came, there was not a good definition of the Father. 
Now, this is important because about half your Bible is written without a good definition of who the Father is. So you have to remember it's written through a lens. Jesus was coming to set the record straight who the Father is. It was an orphaned land. It was a people that couldn't see him for who he was. And he wanted to come and show them that one, he's a dad. You know how offensive it was that the prayer he taught them to pray would be our dad, heart in heaven? They weren't looking for a dad. They were looking for a warrior that would come and flip everything upside down. And they were looking for someone to come in like a lion up front, and he came in like a lamb. Now, don't get me wrong. He roared. But he didn't look like what they were looking for. That's why he was right in front of their face, and their perception of him couldn't let them see that this is the Son of God. He came in in humility. He came in in the humblest of ways. I want to caution you that anything that you think is God that you don't see in the life of Jesus, question that. Jesus was perfect theology. He only did what the Father told him to do. If you didn't see Jesus do it, you may want to think about that. Jesus had a pretty big job in front of him. He came to an orphan planet He came to a planet that thought everything that was happening was at the hand of God. Unfortunately, I still hear a lot of that. God gets blamed for a lot of things that's not him. Sometimes, I don't don't think he needs me to feel bad for him, but sometimes it hurts my heart. When I hear people like say, you know, things, judgments against towns. I mean, I've heard people throw judgments across whole cities, you know. When Redding was on fire, people were all over the place. It's God's judgment. I hear that stuff and it hurts my heart. Because number one, it hurts my heart for the people. And number two, it hurts my heart that they think God's doing it. Yeah. They think that God is the author of that. But if you go read your Bible, if you remember that when the disciples were coming into a sound, they said, you want us to call down fire from heaven on this city? And he responded to them and says, you don't know what spirit that was. That wasn't me. Yeah. You see, that's a wrong lens that Jesus had to come in and say, no, 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 no. (laughs) That ain't me. We have to be open. It doesn't feel good when Jesus says to us, let's be honest, it doesn't always feel great when he says, that wasn't me. (laughs) You're like, oh. Especially when you're like doing it on his behalf. I'm talking for myself here, guys. Like, I have done things where I did it, I look back, I'm like, ooh. And he says, oh, that wasn't me. Now, there's grace, there's mercy. Don't go down the tube. <laughs> like, like don't, don't get really all heavy on yourself right now. Thank goodness, there's a lot of grace. My point is, is that he's constantly wanting to reveal to us who he is. Why? So we can reveal better to everyone around us who he is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And let me just say this. Not everything that happens is God's will. (laughs) Amen, John. Well, I can make it simple for you. A lot of people think that when someone dies, it's God's will. There's one problem with that. Anytime Jesus raised someone from the dead because then he would have to be against the Father if it was the Father's will that they die. 
and that would be division. So like uh, Lazarus, if Lazarus died and they said, well, that was God's will and then Jesus raised him, then it would be division if Jesus raised the one that God wanted to kill. <laughs> this shouldn't have dropped this the last five minutes. Uh, okay, okay, let me just close this up. <laughs> and part two. Um, real simple, real simple. Think about this. And I, I'm presenting this to you. You go home and pray over it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Um, we a lot of times put everything in the will of God, especially in the South. It's like you come in church, Lord willing, you know? It's like, yeah, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Man, lately, that's been a real thing, you know? But it's like, people are always like just throwing it to the will of God. And I found out too often that's just saying, I don't really want to deal with it, so I'm going to throw out the idea, God willing. And so we use that statement, but I want to I want to point out one scripture that's another one. So I gave you one example. I'm going to give you another example. I want you to think about when Jesus was at the wedding and he did his first miracle. This one really messes with everybody. Because here he is, he's at the wedding, his mom has been watching and waiting. Mama knows what this boy's got. Like mama knows from the angel that came to her, like he is the savior of the world. She's been waiting for 30 years for this boy to do something, and now they're out of wine. And she's like I got this. <laughs> and so the disciples, they come, they tell Jesus, and then mama comes and tells Jesus, and she says, I'm putting in some John's version. She's like, honey, they're out of wine. Can you take care of that? And he says, mama, it's not my time yet. And she says, just go ahead and do what he says. Mom just completely pulled the, you know, the, like, the mama card, and, and Jesus, I can see Jesus like, wait a minute. So, so where we get into this, this, this tug of war is, well, what about the sovereignty of God? What about the will of God? Because we know that Jesus can only say the things that the Father told him to say. So we know that when Jesus said it was not my time, it was not his time. Or we're calling him a liar. <laughs> so he's got mama saying, do it. He's got daddy in heaven saying, it's not time yet. Mama says, just go ahead. What happens? Jesus does it. I don't have all the answers for this, but I'll present this to you. Jesus makes room in his sovereignty for you. It's the only way you can make sense of that scripture is that he makes room for you. And I also believe that Mary knew his heart. There's, I, was, I was talking to my dad about this at the end after the first service. He's like, John, he's like, I was just thinking about from a parent's position. He's like, if your mom really wanted you to do something, she knows your heart. And he's, he's like, even if you say no, she'll get to your heart. And my mom is the sweetest person in the world. When she, Mary, said, let's do it now. It changed everything because it showed us something. God cares about what we think and what we feel. He was coming into a harsh system that was making him out to be a bad guy. Like he's going to come in and destroy the kingdoms of the world. And here he is. How, how intimate, how vulnerable is it that his first miracle was for his mother. He didn't come in and just, you know, do some massive 
moment. He came in and his mom said, but, but Jesus, it's time. And I can feel the heart of God. This is where I see God's heart. I have to see his heart. I, hear, I see his heart in heaven saying, it's okay. Go ahead. Be cautious. Be careful to not let yourself become in a place where you feel like God is just this non-relational God sitting in heaven, dangling you over hell with a rotten stick, trying to fear you into heaven. He said, it's my kindness that changes you. It's my kindness that changes you. That was John 21, by the way, if you want to see that moment with Mary. Let's finish on a scripture. We'll we'll open to one so you feel like this was legal. I promise they're all there. Real quick, you guys, most of you know this one by heart. It's first two verses. You ready for the good stuff? Okay. Anybody else ready for the good stuff? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us Amen. so that your ways may be known on the earth and your salvation among the nations. Our responsibility our responsibility is just to place our face in a place where we look at him and then he reflects back on our face remember when his glory passed before Moses in the old covenant and he said Lord I want to see you and it said that all of his goodness passed in front of him and he came down like literally lit up I can feel when I stand here, you guys probably don't, like, I can feel the, the um, heat of these lights on my face when I preach. Amen. I'm aware they're on. They're very bright. <laughs> it says that as you look at him and he looks at you and you look like him, everyone around you will be changed. The best evangelism program there is out there is to look like him. Yeah. Amen. That's it. Yeah. To look like him. And for us to be able to do that, we have to be okay with letting go of some of the um, preconceived maybe ideas of we have who we think he is. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand. I'm going to release you. You've, we're not having prayer team yet. Uh, we're waiting a few more weeks before we bring the prayer team back up, but we, we got the prayer angels in the room. So, you guys think I'm joking. Something that we, we, a number of prophets have come through this house. I don't say this very often because people think I'm kind of crazy, but I'm past that point. (laughs) We've had a number of people that have come through this house and said, you do realize that there's a couple angels that are just always around. And I said, really? I said, I love, you know, I feel the angelic presence, but, and, and I've had, I think, I could be wrong, I know two, I think three, 
have confirmed independently and said, you have an angel of redemption and you have an angel of restoration that stay here. Remember at the, when the angel would come and stir the waters and whoever got in got healed? There's no way to know what angel that was, but I got a pretty good idea that I think that redemption restoration would be around. And sometimes in the middle of worship, I feel like a stirring. I don't know if you've ever felt it. If you pay attention, you'll feel it. I can't explain it. It sounds weird. It's just like a swirling in the room. And people come up and say, nobody prayed for me. I just feel healed. I'm going to pray that that happens right now. So Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I call on your angels. It says that we can call on your angels and your angels carry assignments. And I know that there are two assigned to this house that bring redemption and they bring restoration. I pray specifically over those of you this morning that you are, God is, is, this is a challenge to you, a lot of this, the idea of changing the way you think is, is maybe a challenging thought, but I pray that these angels would even come to you right now and begin to soften your heart and help you. Just see who the Father is. That's all we want to do is see who the Father is. And so Lord, I just ask right now, even in this room, that we would feel that your angels are present, that they are with us, and they're here to minister to us. I release over every single one of you right now. Yeah, I feel some stuff. Um, I have felt a lot of trauma. And I feel like a lot of it has actually come through these past couple months of some things going on, but I feel like there's even more trauma beyond that in the room. I feel some ministry trauma in the room also this morning. And if that's you, I'm going to release just healing over you. I pray over those of you right now that there is trauma, but even more specifically, like the trauma of ministry that went wrong. I pray that right now that the Lord would surround you. His angels would go around you. And he would begin to just cleanse you. Cleanse you. I pray over those of you that these past two or three months of what we've went through in our nation. Maybe it was a real challenge for you and it felt even traumatic. I feel that on some of you right now. There will be a mass healing over your hearts and your minds. And I reestablish he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is that good. He's that good. Now, I bless you as we we're reading in Psalms 67. I'm just going to pray it over you. And it says that. May God be gracious to you and bless you. I pray that his face would shine on you and that he would make his ways known on the earth and that his salvation would be known among the nations. May you reflect him well. May you represent him well. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Um, I hope I can say hi to a bunch of you before you go home. Um, but uh, have a great week. See you next week. <laughs>